like awkward. Yes, yes, we're all feeling like this. Okay. Am I even worthy of an interview? I mean, weird. Huh, that's heavy. <laughs> I feel so empathetic towards you if you feel this way. Conversation is cool. <laughs>
how come I never vouch for myself? The insecurity of why me, why me, it's always there. But at the same time, you know, if I am able to model in front of 500 people I don't know, maybe all of my fake it till you make it opportunities be something that mold me into the kind of person that I want to be. Like when I look back also, maybe an experience that was really, I guess life-changing also for me would be getting my first job. So, you know how you're kind of taught to take on a lot of roles, um, ramp up your resume, and eventually when you start going into interviews, you're taught to like, prepare yourself for those things, um, prepare yourself for assessment. And basically, you're taught to show like your best self. Like you have to show your results, your numbers, um, what's the problem you face and how did you solve it. And I think in the process of doing that, you kind of cut the difficult parts of yourself, right? Because you just want to show like the best parts. And so eventually, there was this specific job that I was eyeing for. And I knew that I worked hard for it to the point that, that I actually made it. Like, oh, I got this role. And it was the first time they were ever giving a new hire a role like that. So I was really excited. But I think when I came into work, like my first few months and I was so worried that people would just see right through me and that everything that I did in my resume wasn't really all that great because the reality is it's not just like that one hour interview you get right it's like the results you bring to a certain like job and I think that um, mindset made me struggle a lot it would bring me down instead of like pushing me to actually do more and to achieve. I wouldn't cut myself any slack that I was a new kid because I thought that I had so much to do. Like I was always someone from, I came from a small grade school, moving into a bigger high school, and then later on, like I moved to a college where ne no one really knew who I was. Like I didn't come from like the top, like, top school. Because of that, I always felt like I had to keep up with everyone else. Like I wasn't, like I wasn't worthy. I wasn't part of like the typical like group. I had to always like find a way to ease myself into wherever I was going into. And I think maybe that's where my imposter syndrome stemmed from. The feeling of I know that I'm ten steps behind everyone else and therefore I have to come in and like show and prove like my worth. So so yeah, I think that experience though really taught me to try and take a step back back and take a breather, I think. Um, know the importance, I think, of relaxing and stop like putting so much like standards or expectations on yourself because it's not gonna make anything like any better if you're too hard on yourself. When I was able to become more open about it with people in work, like being able to express my feelings, not even just to my colleagues but to my bosses, for example, and seeing I think other people outside where I work going through the same thing and being able to talk to them about it, uh, I think that really helped. That's true. And it's hard because like you were at work, right? So it's like, oh, okay, if we're all climbing the work ladder, <laughs> then what flaws can I show? And like, I don't know, what will get me more opportunities? I know, it's, it's kind of like that also in like peer groups, right? Like with friends. We both come from big friend groups. And so many of them have very different like jobs, you know, courses and lifestyles. And honestly, me, sometimes I, I get scared not to talk to my Vergada because they're always like, Oh, okay, I got this new thing. Oh my gosh, I got accepted this. And I'm just like, Oh, congrats, congrats. Oh my God, I don't have anything to share. What are we going to do? <laughs> so yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah, I think like the pressure isn't just in like a career group or with your friends, but it's, it's really a societal pressure even, right? And Maybe, yeah, it, it's, it's also because we try to show the best parts of ourselves all the time and fail to consider like the, the other sides of us that we don't really bring about. I, I don't know, I guess there's even like 
a social standard when it comes to commenting on people's photos and the number of likes that you get on a photo, right? These people are the same age as me, but they get 100,000 likes on a single post in two hours. What am I doing? I'm posting my bread that I just baked and it gets two likes in two days. It's not hard to compare yourself to other people when there's a quantity like relation that you're able to see. And I think along with that comes the fact that you see so many people posting themselves as their best side, which you mentioned earlier. Everything is so crisp and perfect. Like you just put everything through Lightroom and suddenly your whole life is something that I want for myself also. Every single IG story that I see, I'm gonna hard react it, but at the same time, I'm gonna ask myself, why am I not in the same space or headspace that that person is in? And it's so easy to get to your head and you know, you're just counting the number of likes that come in at the R and you're counting how many people say, oh, it's so cute or oh, it's so happy or all of these things. And at the same time, it's so pressuring because you feel like you have to be at the same standards of all of these people that you're trying to view. In a personal experience, this has really gotten to my head. Like I've been off Instagram for close to a year and I just recently came back because I felt so pressured to feel like I had to put my best image forward. And at the same time, so many people are expecting you to be like a happy-go-lucky person. And you're always gonna be a sunshine person on online. And it's just so pressuring to like, Recently, I've just come to the like fact that, you know, it's just a photo. But at the same time, there's always gonna be something crawling in the back of your head, thinking, wow. Why am I even in the same circle as these people? If they're so happy and out there, what the heck am I doing? Um, so I've been reading up also on the whole like concept on, of imposter syndrome. And there was a sex psychologist, I think, named Dr. Valerie Young, who defined like five types of imposter syndrome. What type of imposter syndrome do you identify with the most? I think I am most the expert. Oh, again, I like. I'm even feeling it's like you're just saying expert because it's like do I deserve to say expert? Oh my god. But yeah, I think because right when it talks about the expert, you doubt all of your skills and capabilities, and you measure yourself based on what and how much you can do and how like what you can offer to the table. And I think I related this to the most because I consider myself a creative person. <laughs> Like I like to do video editing and Photoshop and like planning, strategic planning, like all of that related to, you know, coming up with a product. But the thing is, when you come up with an art or a product or a piece of work, at the same time, it's like, huh, how it looks so amateur all the time. And then when people come to me for services, they're always like, oh, how much is your rate? Like, how much do you charge? And then I'm always like, free, I guess. And you know, like for some of these opportunities, I'll really do it for free to the guy because, you know, it's either same advocacy or it's like same brainwave or like we've been friends for a long time or we exchange services. But at the same time, so many people around me are already telling me like, Phila, you're selling yourself too short. Charge more for the talent that you have. I think I always catch myself micromanaging and I often catch myself saying, yeah, yeah I'll do it, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll just take everything. Don't worry about it. Like I'll handle it. When it comes to being the expert, I always consider myself to be limitless in capabilities. And that isn't a good thing because being limitless in capabilities often leads to burnout. And I guess being limitless also means that it's easy for external factors to take advantage of the product or opportunities that you yourself offers. So yeah, I guess with being the expert, considering myself the expert in itself is already really hard. <laughs> How about you? What do you consider yourself from the fire? I guess what 
resonates with me the most would be like the natural genius. I am not a natural genius <laughs> in any way. I think it's actually the exact opposite. I know that I'm not a natural genius, but I grew up in a world that everyone would think that I was one. And because of that, that, that really affected me a lot. It's more of um, growing up feeling that I had to be one. I wanted to prove that. That like, hey, like Aina doesn't study, but she gets good grades. When the reality was, I was actually really working my ass off like all the time. I knew deep inside that that wasn't me. Like everyone's perception wasn't how I really was as a person. You know, I have to be honest. I think it's so fitting for you. You're the natural genius. Because even me, when I was a freshman, and like you were my head, I always, I already thought like, wow. This girl's perfect! <laughs> My god! What? <laughs> yeah, when your name gets brought up also, the initial thing is really like, how does she do it? Like, that's always the phrase, right? It's kind of humanizing and I feel so empathetic towards you that you feel this way. But yeah, I just want you to know that you deserve every piece of credit that goes your way. Oh my gosh! Oh, thank you! And the same also goes for you. Yeah, since I was a senior and you were a freshman, I could really see how good you were at what you did. No, like no kidding. And I'm so happy to have seen you grow from freshman year to now. Oh my gosh. And I'm excited to see how the next few years are gonna take you. Because I'm sure, I'm, I really, I, I don't doubt you. Do you think imposter syndrome is avoidable? I've been thinking about it. I yeah. don't know if it is. I've been thinking about it also. Um, I guess one thing that I realized is, I feel like imposter syndrome is like a feeling. Like, you know how sometimes we feel sad, sometimes we feel happy. And I wouldn't say it's something that can completely go away. It's something that will be there maybe from time to time. But like all feelings, it's something that can disappear and it's something that can come back. And it's important to recognize when those moments come so that you can take better steps, I think, for yourself and also for other people. I think I express this to you. Like, I always feel like fumbling yarn and then you always make it, oh, this is what you mean. Oh, okay, that's what it is. Good to hear what you think on it. And you think maybe I can, I don't know, absorb it. I guess I just also wanted to ask, is there any good that came out of having imposter syndrome? I think, okay, maybe it's a different setting, but yeah, you, when you're in university, right, you're surrounded by everyone who wants the same thing because you're in the, you're in the same course, right? In my specific course, like there's people going into prod, people going who want to go into ad, PR, all of these creative endeavors. And I think when you go through having imposter syndrome, it's easier to recognize when people are doubting themselves, not because they don't have the skill, but because they just feel insecure about what they have to offer. And I think that's why I'm so drawn towards endeavors that are much bigger than how I feel. So I guess that's why we're both drawn to talks, organizations that make projects that's much bigger than the school. And I guess, I found myself dedicating my life toward making opportunities for other people. Which means that now I'm volunteering for leadership roles not because I feel like, oh, I'm the perfect candidate, but because I feel like it's a right to lift other people up and show them what they can do. When you recognize Kase, that you have that mindset and you're so insecure about it, it's really easy to spot out who's just feeling insecure about what they can do. It's such a power talaga when when you shake people and say, hey, you can do it. And then they're like, what are you talking about? And then they do it. And then they realize, oh my God, I can get there. Like that's the most fulfilling thing ever. When you see other people achieve what they think that they can do. And 
oh, that's what I live for. I live for people being happy over the things that they achieve. And it's just so, I don't know, it's so humbling to see talaga when people are so happy about what they can do. Oh, that's so nice. And just seeing how something that can give you so much pain and struggle can also give you so much empowerment and fulfillment. That's such a good thing to recognize. Like these experiences of sadness can also turn into growth opportunities because it allows you to reflect and reset and like see things not just for yourself but for other people also. And I think with what you shared, that's something that you were able to do. I think more people should also maybe see it that way. So I think imposter syndrome gave me this mindset of always wanting to learn. It allows me to also just stay curious and be open to different things. Because when you also realize, like in the philosophy of the greater thing, that you're just like a tiny speck of dust, it allows you to ask questions like, oh, what can I do now? Um, what bigger impact can I make despite me being a small speck of dust in this earth? Like, and having like having that mindset allows you to be open to things, it allows you to learn and, and push yourself in ways that you don't expect. And hopefully, hopefully, being able to do that like inspires other people to do the same. Like you're always hungry for knowledge. I think that's so important. And I don't know, I guess I super understand that. But then my flaw lang is just when you keep reaching the small goals, it's hard to recognize that you've already reached like those smaller goals while you're on the way. I guess I have to think about that. But yeah, I think it's a really good point. Like it, it makes you work harder. That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> like for, I don't think I'd be where I am without that kind of pressure. But yeah, it's, I guess it's also recognizing how much of it you apply. What helped me also throughout that process is really taking that time to reflect on the things that you do. Because like, we're so fixated on what's next, what's next, what's next. That sometimes, like looking back and like reflecting on the things that you already did or have gone through is also a good thing. How can I slow down? How can I have like practice gratitude and like appreciate every moment that the past is by? that really came in to me, I think, more during the quarantine. Like, when I started re-practicing things like meditation and, like, doing things like yoga, and, um, I I was reminded, I guess, of the importance of channeling your energy. Everyone kind of feels the same thing. For example, like, nervous nervousness. So everyone knows how nervousness feels like, right? And the thing is, people don't realize that you have a choice as to how you channel your nervousness. You can channel it into something of, like, excitement, or you can channel it to fear. And those two things stem from the nervousness, but it can affect how you kind of react. And I think it's also like reminding yourself that feeling emotions are a good thing. Feeling something means that you care about something, right? If you're nervous, it means that you care about this. So if, like, if I come in nervous about like doing this podcast, it means that I care about what I'm talking about. And I think the same goes for you. Versus if you, if you don't feel anything, that just shows that, oh, you don't really care about what you're doing. Emotions show that what you do is important to you and it's a matter of how you can channel that emotion or that energy into something positive in, instead of something negative yeah nice. and i think like a, a second thing that i also like think of is the importance of maybe reframing things like being able to see things in a new perspective or like one of the most mind-changing as in like mind-boggling things that i learned it was in a theology class like back in college so like back then, I'd always think, I do I even deserve this opportunity? Like you know how we're kind of taught that we want to, we have to become self-made millionaires, right? We don't want people to think that oh, we just got connected to this person, which is why we have this opportunity, because everyone kind of highlights like the hustle. And then I think one thing that really just changed my perspective on that is she was saying like, why are we thinking about whether or not we deserve to have a certain thing? 
like just the fact that you're in a university gives you already that privilege or that bias that you have those connections and and you already have it. So he was saying that instead of thinking as thinking of things as do I deserve it or do I not deserve it, it's just more of acknowledging that you have these things around you, these sorts of connections, these sorts of like resources or privileges. And the bigger question now is how can I use these things to the best of my ability or to serve others? That kind of mindfulness and mindset of asking myself that question each time it allows me to like combat it. So now I guess instead of asking myself, do I deserve this opportunity? Am I good enough for this? It's okay, I have these things and it may not be perfect, but how can I use this to become better, to help others and maybe like make things a better place? That's so nice. <laughs> Based off of what you said, like I guess maybe I should learn that to be more grateful for the opportunities that come my way. Because again, like, we're so you know we're so privileged to even feel this way that you know so many things are coming toward you, and then wow. So instead of going for them, you're just gonna feel worried about whether or not you're you know fit for the job or cut for the job. Maybe something I should start thinking about you know, in relation to that is the fact that. If I keep saying that, okay, this imposter syndrome drives me to be more empathetic towards other people and also help them, you know, overcome whatever insecurities that they're also thinking about, maybe I should also start utilizing what I do have towards that kind of mindset. I just need to start, like what you said, channeling it towards a greater good, I guess. Or just recognizing that, okay, if I feel like I'm not good enough, might as well be of service or a tool towards something that I feel is important. Go back to the fact that you're dealing with other humans and also communicating what you're feeling, like what we're doing right now. <laughs> like I feel like this is like a good case because I'm understanding you as a person, you know, more than the how does she do it girl. That's just a very small thing when it comes to empathy. It's really just doing more than listening and acting on what you've learned from the other person. And then addressing them as human, more than just a name. Because I think we've talked about it earlier, that you can mold yourself into a perfect piece and show it online, and show it in your work, and show it in your resume, and all of these things. You know, all of these platforms. But at the same time, you're dealing with someone who, you know, wears pambahay halfway, half in their interview, and then they have like, you know, a nice top on top. You're dealing with someone whose mom's favorite food is macaroni. You're dealing with someone who enjoys watching YouTube videos in their spare time. You're dealing with someone who, their favorite hobby pala, they like taking care of turtles. If you go back to humanizing other people and recognizing that these people do have fears and they also have, you know, their own goals and dreams and like things that they feel like are holding them back, it's way easier to go through your own landscape. And it's not supposed to belittle other people. Like you're not supposed to think that, oh, okay, everyone in this room is also dealing with weaknesses. But rather, because they're also dealing with weaknesses, they're gonna understand where you're coming from, especially if you're gonna bring it up. And I guess that's how you control the landscape that you're in. You control the environment that you're in and the conversations that you're having. Because again, you're dealing with people who, they also don't know what they're doing. Eh? And when you recognize that everyone else has questions, at least you can start answering each other's questions and conversations can arise. It's so important to like, recognize that everyone's just going through the same journey. I mean, it's never going to be 100% the same, right? But when you recognize that people are also have their own like struggles you start to become like more aware that you can also share maybe a bit of yourself also to others because 
it's like no one is perfect and imperfections are also something worth um, acknowledging and celebrating. And maybe it's not about questioning if you deserve all your achievements or all your accolades. It's always about what you do with what you have that will make all the difference. Even I'm gonna take that away. <laughs> I guess I just want to say thank you for having me because in relation to imposter syndrome, I was feeling like, am I even worthy of an interview? I mean, I just feel like a regular person and there's probably like more prominent people who go through imposter syndrome. This conversation has been, I don't know, it's very timely in relation to what both of us are trying to do with our advocacies. I just want to say thank you because I just feel like an average person and who doesn't feel like they should even be worthy of like going through talking about imposter syndrome. But here we are. And it, it, um, it unpacked a lot of the things that I was thinking about. And yeah, it was that conversation is cool. <laughs> but I guess I also want to say thank you for agreeing to be a part of this. It's so important to like encourage that every person is enough. Every person is interesting and every person has a story worth sharing. And definitely, after everything we talked about today, I'm certain that your story is something worth sharing and listening to. So, yeah, I'm really grateful to have you here. Oh my gosh, thank you also! <laughs>